Early today, 121. Welcome to the podcast edition of the show that's on the air from 3 to 7 every day. Hi, Alex. Hi. We, uh, good thing you're home today. Why? Oh, the snow. Well, there's that, but, uh, I'm glad I got my stuff done. Um, but I think there's a lot to talk about today. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and the dogs are in the middle of their afternoon nap, so besides the neighbor walking around upstairs, it should be quiet. Um, as opposed to their morning nap, their mid-morning nap, their lunchtime nap. Oh, right? geez. They had their mid-morning bone, and now they're in the middle of their afternoon nap, and it's way too early for Thomas to be coming home, so they will not expect that. Like, normally between three and six they're they're just on edge and every noise they think is somebody coming in the door but right now we're good because they know it's too early for anybody to be showing up dogs being dogs and i've tried three times now and uh asshole mcasshole face (laughs) which is diddy like andre's fine but i've tried three times now and i'm I'm not gonna i'm not gonna print i I'm not going to prance around outside in the snow. I'm not going to be out on a very cold day. Diddy just shit in the fucking house. I don't care. Like, and his are, he's got a big pile and it smells bad. Like Andre's are slightly larger than like rabbit pellets. Mm-hmm. But with, and Diddy, to his credit, will hold things for days, both pee and poop. But mm-hmm. today we tried and I gave him a good solid five minutes and he dances around in a circle like yeah. he, he assumes the position he tries to make a space without snow and he just looks up at me i'm like i i can't do anything for you have you trained him on pee pads no he trained himself on one spot up at the top of the stairs oh good so put a pee pad down there so just grab like a house pad we have them in our home um, because Sunny sometimes would still have accidents at night. So we keep one out for her at night and she goes right on it. Uh, we put it in the spot where she had accidents and now she goes, I mean, occasionally if she has an accident, she will miss the pee pad by a little bit or you'll see she got half on, half off. But for the most part, um, yeah, see what see what he'll do for pee pads. But honest to God, I cannot... That's the very reason that I cannot wait. I'm very bummed that we didn't find a house in time for this snow season, but I cannot wait until we move because our requirement is a fenced in backyard. So I can just open the damn door and let them go. Like, just go and you'll be out here for about 10 minutes. And at that point, I'm assuming you did your business and then I'm going to let you back inside. Yeah, (laughs) I, I, I love I love not having a yard because it forces me all summer to walk the dogs like crazy. Mm. I guess even if I had a yard, I would I, I could still walk them. But not having the yard means only two dogs and then having to watch Diddy dance in circles and then not poop. Um, so, But it's, it's a small price and he rarely does it. Um, he might just hold it, but I'm not going to stand outside. Andre, and it's funny too because you'd think Andre is the one that would get cold outside because he's so little. Diddy is the one. <laughs> there has been times before where... Uh, I guess this is pre-Andre. We'd be walking around downtown, and I haven't noticed it here because we don't walk as far, I guess. Mm -hmm. But uh, downtown, there would be times I would have to carry Diddy home because (laughs) there would either be salt, which I know is really Mm -hmm. bad for their pads, but it was Mm -hmm. more because his paws were so cold. Um, he doesn't like his paws touched to begin with, so they'd get cold and he'd start yeah. walking on three legs and then he'd be down to two and I'm like, come here, I'm just going to carry you. Yeah. Our dogs have snow boots, so they have, 
<laughs> I know. I'm I'm absolutely that person. They both have coats and they both have snow boots that they have gotten used to. Petey does not like the snow, so he's in and out. But Sunny is like Diddy, so she'll take like 10 minutes to use the bathroom. So I've already bought my new coat and boots for the season because I know I'm going to be outside for God knows how long to get her to use the bathroom. But she does have snow boots that she wears so that she can handle the cold because she also she'll quiver and just stop. She'll roll over on her back when she's cold. But another I mean, honestly, you people with houses and and fenced in backyards, you 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 appreciate that. We've already bought the Nerf gun that shoots out the tennis balls so that we can exercise them and play with them (laughs) in the backyard. So I'm just I can't wait for it. Now you just need the house. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I'm like, Thomas, you better not shoot that in this house. It's so small. Oh, You'll break something. Please, he's going to shoot that. He's a, yeah. he's a boy. Yeah, he's um, going to be like, I can just shoot it through to the bedroom. It's far enough. Did you uh, Did you take a look at the two stories that I sent you today? I saw the one about um, uh, articles of impeachment, and I saw that yesterday, and I had I was by myself, and I'm like, "Are you kidding? This yeah. is pathetic! Like y'all, y'all are pathetic." Um, let me read some of it briefly. So this is from, um, I guess, some Ohio representatives. Rep- Representative John Becker from Union Township, Governor Dewine's mismanagement, malfeasance, misfeasance, abuse of power, and other crimes include, but are not limited to. So on. It's always meddling in the conduct of a presidential primary election, arbitrarily closing and placing curfews on certain businesses while allowing others to remain open. Uh, And then let's jump ahead to to our ballpark here. He continues to have callous. Rather than hearing the cries of Ohioans, Governor DeWine continues to stifle those cries by finding more inventive ways to use masks to muffle the voices of the people. He continues to have callous disregard for the fact that his isolation policies have led to a shockingly high number of suicides, alarming rates of drug abuse, persistently high unemployment, and the forced abandonment of the elderly by their loved ones. I, I... I would I would guess that even if there wasn't a pandemic this year, the rate suicide of, rate yeah would still be would still have gone up. Yep. And I don't and I, I think I know we made some some ground with opioid abuse and drug overdoses. That might have been flat. But this guy, and I don't know where Union Township is, but to use some of these words, it seems like he's from a small town and there's no way that we have data at this very moment about um any mental health consequences and repercussions from the pandemic that we're still in. And on the, on the, on the flip side of it, uh, somebody else, and we've talked about this a million times, had Governor DeWine or other places not done this, then you'd have, you know, a lot more sick people. Um, and with that sickness would likely come more death, missing work, leading to unemployment, and, and a slew of other consequences. So I think Union Township I want to say, I feel like I've driven through it before. I want to say it's somewhere around Akron Youngstown, maybe even like towards PA or West Virginia. Um, and that area, I've, I, I do feel like it's over there. I'll be, I'll Google it cause my computer is open, but, um, I don't, I mean, when I saw that yesterday, I'm just like, what, first of all, you're never going to win. You're never going to, in this case, DeWine is, you're you're never going to win. And that's the same for Gretchen Whitmer and any of, I think they're going after Cuomo and New York. You're just never going to win. You have to make the terrible decisions on behalf of people because we can't trust people to do the right thing, um, which is save lives, like, which is the health of everyone. 
um, and I get the health of your economy. And just because he didn't do what, you know, I, I personally know of a couple people who are business owners here in Lucas County who shared the letters that they wrote Governor DeWine the, this entire time. And so I've read them and I understand and I think they're doing the work to ensure that they can do what they can do safely. But you don't get like you don't get what you want here. Like he can't just say, OK, you and Toledo, I really liked what you wrote me. So you go ahead and do that. But everybody else, you know what I mean? Like it just doesn't it doesn't work that way. And I feel like there was just too much of a risk. And just because, you know, business owners wrote letters and he didn't go with what would help them the most doesn't mean he wasn't listening and probably wasn't really conflicted by it. If but, anything, he, he he did listen to people who shared Becker's views because there were times over the summertime, or I guess late spring, where mm-hmm. uh, bef- prior to that we were really supportive of Governor Dewine, and then he seemed to ca- then he seemed to cave a little bit towards his party. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's and it's I feel like you have a couple different people. You have those people who fall in line with the conservative and Republican party, but are very appreciative appreciative of DeWine and what he has done and are um, all about health and safety and doing the right thing. And then you have the other folks that are just my sit, my liberties, my rights. This isn't, you know, never mind the fact of what it, what it's for, like what, what is the purpose of all of this and everyone, well, first they said we didn't need it. So they don't know what they're talking about. Of course, nobody knows about this. We're learning as we go, expecting perfection. I don't know. I was just, I saw that I was by myself taking my afternoon bath and break. And I'm just like, what? How pathetic. (laughs) Right. Jesus. Yeah. Just, you know. You're not setting good examples. And no. <clears throat> I was at, uh, hello to everyone at Dr. Frankel's office today. I had a wonderful Hi. dental visit. And uh, I, I was sharing a, the picture that we talked about yesterday and um, with a friend there. And they threw their hands up as well. Oh, and, really? Cause, yeah. Cause we were like, this is a time where we've seen, you know, too much poor leadership. And we'll get to some more of that in a minute. But a couple of quotes um, from some COVID things jumped out to me. Yeah, you're you're familiar with like how South Dakota has treated this with a very laissez-faire attitude, like completely hands off. Yes. Um, yeah. Their, oh, their, yes. Their governor, their their governor, a, a female Republican. I don't remember her name. It's just like letting people do as they wish, and the vi- and and the the virus is finally like running rampant. And that was likely to happen. It was just going to take a while because people are so spread out there naturally based on geography but Uh the mayor of sioux falls said said something i I read a a quote recently or i read it today but it's from a recent time as the virus spreads there and becomes really problematic and they have a high death rate he's like we 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 left the people to act responsibly and they're acting irresponsibly Uh there is i'm trying to find okay so uh david uh, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, did a really long interview with GQ, and I'm going to read a quick part of that. And, and this is what I've, I've said uh, through the summer and going back, and I know DeWine echoed it, um, whatever, it was the, the three W's, but this is from Silver. Some people think that, remember, the NBA had, a, had I don't think they had a single positive diagnosis in the bubble. Um, some people think that testing is what prevented the spread, but given that we've had zero cases, essentially what prevented the spread were the same practices that proved successful around the 1918 flu, physical distancing, quarantining, mask wearing, hand washing. There's nothing more high tech than that at the end of the day. And that seemingly is what proved to be effective here. 
Yeah. I mean, it. it's just, it's, <clears throat> it's frustrating. And I, and sometimes I just want to scream and you know, that's not my style, but I just want to scream. And it's like South Dakota is the perfect example. There's coverage of this governor speaking at Trump rallies, you know, and, and speaking to her to the base and to the majority of the folks in South Dakota about what she's not going to do. And I'm not going to force you to wear a mask. And if you want to stay open, you stay open. And now here we are like fast forward a couple months later and her people are dying. Your people are dying. Like, and, and, and the community members, like your people are dying around you at an alarming rate. And I don't understand, like you would think when we saw stuff like this in movies, you would think that we would all be a lot more terrified than we are. And people are like, well, there's a 99% like rate of, you know, you'll, you'll survive. And it's like, that doesn't matter. Like that's not, yeah. but that's not I, correlating to just 5,000 people that are going to die at this. At the end of the day, we're up to 270,000 deaths and in I, less than a year. And the people that say that there are probably some that get it and are very ill and may even die and go, you know, I, I, I live my life with my freedom. Sorry for the yeah. twang, yeah. And then there yeah. might be, then there might be other people who regret their behavior. And yeah. I, I, I throw it back to an example that I hate having to use so often, and I think I've mentioned it your way before, the <clears throat> the Jerry Sandusky Penn State thing. Um, <laughs> everybody says they would have ran in there and beat the hell out of them. Yeah. Or, you know, everybody says they're going to run into the burning building and save the kittens and the humans. But when the building is actually burning mm-hmm. and the emotions and adrenaline are flowing, it's a lot different. So it's easy to say, I'm going to do as I want. And if it gets me, it gets me. Well, mm-hmm. when it does get you, you know, you your words are probably going to be a lot different. It's just, it. that's one of the things that I, I <clears throat> maybe I do compare this to just the movies because I haven't had any other example. But that's probably what surprises me most is I'm just like, people... We, people are dying like around uh, all around us. I have a close friend whose grandmother just cannot get off of a ventilator, like just cannot, you know, in the ICU. And every time they attempt, she's showing progress and they take her off the ventilator. There's a couple days and then she declines and goes right back on the ventilator. And it's just been that for yeah. weeks, uh, for weeks without knowing what's going to happen. And it's just like, that, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> what is happening? Um, another person in line with that Becker guy is Bob Roni. Ooh. So that is the St. John's athletic director. St. John's uh, oh, yeah. is, is my, my neighborhood neighbor. They're right down the street from where I live. And let's give them some or a lot of credit. I believe they op- they were one of the very first schools in the area to open up because I think they went back around August 6th. Yes. And I remember saying, this is going to be a nice little a nice little litmus test, a crucible to see if schools can manage this. And to almost, to credit to almost all of the schools, we know, we now, we now know that there's enough uh, study and science to say it's not spreading at schools because schools are following the protocols diligently. Mm-hmm. It's getting back into the schools because of people's behavior outside of the schools. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that, that's pretty unpredictable. Um, so credit to St. John's for being among the many schools to, to get a handle on this underneath its roof. So uh, the their athletic director, I, I like to compare this to um, if you're a parent of some kind and you tell your kid, like, you can't, I'll use what I used on Facebook. 
no cookies for you after dinner. Mm. And then you go into the living room and you see the kid like st- stuffing cake in its face. And uh, parent goes, I thought I said, I thought I said no cookies. And then the kid goes, yeah, you didn't say anything about any cake. Um, the quote here is, if you read the order, it states that all sports and extracurricular activities are prohibited from using any school building interior space or practices or contests uh, during the same, uh, that month period, and that they don't want in-school instruction. Basically, you can't use the facilities. There's nothing in there, nothing in there that says we've suspended athletics or you can't have athletics. Uh-huh. So they're going to continue to have practices uh, off site of school and use other buildings. And I think this is this applies to basketball and wrestling. And I I appreciate someone diving into the semantics and doing some verbal gymnastics with specific words because I, I like when people use the right words as well. Mm-hmm. And I so I find it very clever and very very adept. But it completely violates the spirit of something like what the governor said a couple of weeks ago. If we would all do one less thing a week to allow this virus to continue to hop from body to body, we'll be in a better place. So they're just like, okay, we won't practice at school. We'll, we're going to stick our noses up and go practice somewhere else. And I know that we've, we've heard all the arguments about why sports is helpful to kids and teaching them responsibility and leadership and so many other great qualities. And they do. But in this case, with where we are and the virus being worse in some ways now, maybe not more deadly, but worse in some ways now than it was in the springtime, I, my, my way of going about this would have been uh, guys, kids, ballers, um, yeah, you learn things on the court. But in this way, we're going to be selfless and mm-hmm. we're going to help others. Like playing ball helps us. Taking the time off shows that we want to be leaders in our community and not playing helps others. And they completely spit all over the spirit of the, of, of the order and the idea of that. And it's very disappointing. That's actually a really good point um, of the learning piece that everybody gets when when you are dedicated to sports at, at that age. I, to be honest, sports kind of <laughs> screwed me up a little bit, but they absolutely taught me um, a lot of things that I still carry with me today that I still acknowledge that's what it came from today. Um, I am curious, though, how many students they actually have because... My mom, if this were to happen while I was in, in school and my coach was like, nope, my girls are still going to play. My mom is like, well, Alex isn't going to be there. <laughs> so you go ahead and play, but Alex won't be there. And she better not be punished for it. Like their, that would. Their enrollment is 850. So it, it's not a, a lot of kids. And this is not to say that they've done a poor job in the classroom or on the field in sports with protocols. It, it's It's not that at all. It's just. It's an unnecessary risk and the payoff just isn't there. But I mean, I mean, for the team itself, because you also have dynamics of you have predominantly white schools and predominantly black schools. Like on my basketball team, we didn't have any white players, although I think our our school population was like 40, 60. And so um, it like if this were to happen in in Cleveland, you know, at my high school, my entire even if my coach said we're still going to practice. Our entire team would probably not show up because our parents, our black moms would be like, hell no, my daughter is not going to continue to practice in the middle of a pandemic. Well, Therefore, you know what I mean? Therefore, 
go ahead. There are other circumstances that can come into play. Like I'll counter your point and go, some of those black kids might play knowing that this is like their only opportunity to get out of the ghetto. Like they could sure. conceivably get, so there's a lot of factors, but at St. John's, this, none of them, none of that is applicable. <laughs> no. None, and again, it's not to say you're being reckless on the field, on the court. It's just an unnecessary risk for where we're at. And there are ways to teach other things that kids can learn playing yeah. sports by not playing. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I think it's a missed opportunity to um, teach your players the the important. I feel like I can contribute a lot of, attribute a lot of stuff to to my sports and my coaches and what I was taught in, in that time from whatever time four to six that I was practicing every day for four years of my life. You've got, so, you've got a $10 billion industry, the NFL conducting most of its meetings via zoom. Granted right. they're getting paid, but this is an opportunity. Again, if I were a coach, I'd say, Hey, look, we're not, we're not going to ball, but we're going to still have like 45 minutes of, of, and I know they're on these kids are on their their tablets all day anyway, but we're gonna, you know, do some plays, run through some video in mm-hmm. this way. There are other ways to have great teaching moments that we get from sports, as you've illustrated, mm-hmm. without without being reckless, thoughtless, and in this case, selfish, and yet another example of of blind leadership. It was there was a yeah. great quote from David Briggs is the uh, is the guy with the voice in the blade. And he, he's, he's about our age. He's not a, an old, an old get off my lawn type at all. And he had a great quote today. He said, hell hath no fury, like an aggrieved suburban sports family. <laughs> so, and, and I think this, this is, this goes to another argument that we have had before. And I know like, I am not, I know my thoughts on this can sometimes be really harsh and I'm not a mom. I, and I'm not a mom to, to adult, uh, like human kids, but I, and so I understand where I fall in this argument, but I think it's also a really ugly truth of those folks. What about my kids? What about the kids? And it's like the kids are not the only things that matter here. And I, and it's really hard. There's I can't even tell you how many conversations I've had, even even in my own family, where it's like, well, you're going to upset Andrew. And I'm like, I don't care. He's a child and I'm right. an adult. You know what I mean? I don't, I love him and I love my, like my family, but he is a child and they're that, come on now. Like the kids are not the only thing that matters in this equation. They just aren't. And if we really considered the full picture, maybe we wouldn't be where we are right now. Yeah. More, <laughs> there's been too much selfish, selfishness yeah. during all of this. And, and if we're talking about some other schools, um, like public schools for the most part in big cities. You say Cleveland, you can use here. You know, there are, like we've already talked about how these kids, those kids need to be in school so that they can eat. Like uh, it was TPS's idea to set up a bus with Wi-Fi so kids could get on the internet. Like there, there. I love that. There are a lack of resources and flat out finances in, in a lot of those communities where they, school is part of, like the parenting process in so many ways that ain't the fucking problem at St. John's. No. And I, and I do speak from the perspective of those essential things like kids eating and, you know, being safe. I'm not speaking from that perspective, but, but you're right. It's it's just, there's so many factors in it. And I don't know. It's just Brendan missing out on his senior season (laughs) at St. John's playing ball 
is not going to do it's disappointing but yeah brendan will get through it and especially because you know the parents have access to an infinite uh, nearly an infinite and endless amount of resources to help him get through it if we're talking about like Jamal, who like was borderline either going to maybe get a scholarship from Ohio State or maybe have to go to Owens, mm. so he he could you know help his family a little bit. Like yeah, he needs to be on the court. Not that I would say they should do it, but there are many different circumstances that come into play when we're talking about different school districts, and none of them are applicable to St. John's. Like and and spitting in the health department's face is is completely disrespectful above above anything. And it's also worrisome what we're teaching our kids, like what the next generation of adults are going to look like and act like because because they saw these 2020 temper tantrums that were already building up because of politics and the separation of that. And then the pandemic happened and made everything 20 times worse. And the examples that they're seeing, um, it's going to be interesting. But um, I, I mean, I don't think anybody I know listen, anybody I know from home listens to the podcast. But when I, I broke my finger like a, and really badly my senior year and I couldn't if I played, I could damage it and I would have a hard time writing for the rest of my life. So I couldn't play for the rest of my season. So from like, I want to say early January or December on, I was so happy internally. I was so happy. I was so happy. That was, there was nothing that I, like, I was just so relieved by the amount of pressure that was off of my shoulders because I could just support my team from the sidelines and I was the captain, which sucked, but I could support from the sidelines, but the pressure was no longer there. And I mean, (laughs) there's probably a lot of kids that are like, yes, I don't have to worry about what I wear when I go to school. And this is really superficial. I may not have to worry about bullying, the pressure that comes from high school. There's good things and bad things that come from high school. I was very much that person like right now where I would be probably really happy with it. That's just the kind of kid I was. uh, I was, I acknowledge that other kids are completely different, different experience, but I was the kind where I would be celebrating. Like I don't have to deal with the pressure. I can just be home and like relaxed. Um, but I, I'm also referring to an older child, not a younger yeah. child. I've seen the struggle of keeping a five-year-old attached to a computer. That's rough. Isn't uh, is there's more and more research over the years that said that says starting school later would be beneficial to kids. Oh my gosh, one hundred percent. Can't they? Especially like you said, old older kids. I mean, I remember I couldn't wait to get to school in the morning so I could go back to sleep. Um, <laughs> One hundred percent. Aren't a lot of these school things the tasks that they're being asked to do? Like, I mean, they get to sleep a little, little bit, little bit later anyway because they don't have to actually get ready for school. They can just go from the bed to the couch. <laughs> but some of this stuff has to be starting later. And a benefit I haven't heard anybody talk about is these kids do get a little bit more sleep. I guess. I um, I always joke about what kind of mom I'm gonna be because I hated school, and the majority of the reason I hated school is I remember how like rough it was for me to wake up every morning there would be multiple mornings where I would cry I would fake illness like because it was so early it was so early and I would just cry and I also remember how for some reason I always had math right before lunch and so I remember how 
fucking hungry I was in the middle of math class and I was like going crazy and how much my stomach hurt like I still remember how bad my stomach pains were because I was so hungry and I was I was I was fed at home I had breakfast and dinner and stuff not like some of these other kids I mean I feel like I absolutely had privilege um there but uh yeah it it school should have always been later like I loved when I was in high school and I got to come to school late because I um like I didn't have to do as many classes as everyone else because I was either ahead, which I have no idea how, because I barely, like barely qualified to graduate, <laughs> barely. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, there's too much pressure on kids. You have to wake up way too early. I hope this changes things. I hope it doesn't take away snow days, you know, all of that. It's obviously it hasn't because there was, isn't there snow days today and delays? I'm like, how the hell is that possible? Are people in school? Uh, the, a lot of, cause remember <laughs> where we are, the roads are okay, but yes. you go 20 minutes in any direction, you're in the middle of nowhere and those schools didn't have to contend with the virus as much. So mm. in days like today, there is delays and closings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm in snowdrift country around here, so, um, Speaking of parenting and kids, so I spoke to my brother. Oh. Um, I couldn't get my dad on the phone last night to ask if he had spoken oh, to Paul boy. and where this thing stood. So I called Paul this morning on the way to the dentist appointment, and I was just, we were talking stuff about my car and whatever, because that's what we talk about. And I was like, when were you going to tell me about Tracy? Mm-hmm. And he's, he's like, well, dad told you. I said, when were you going to tell me? And he said, you know, I'm always worried about you and you and dad's judgments. And I don't know if he conflated him always buying cars. And Paul does buy like a new car every six months. Really? uh, He does. He has good credit then, huh? uh, He is just a sorcerer. Because I think he actually built up good credit by continually doing that. But yeah, he he buys, buys a car like every six months, at least one a year. He also started buying like older cars and they sit outside the house now because he sells those. Oh. Um, he uh, he loves like when, yeah with me it, it's Batman and Transformers with Paul, Paul ever since he was a little boy it's been cars so I don't know if he conflated my dad always kind of like rolling his eyes like rolling his eyes with another car with Tracy being pregnant but I'm like Paul I, mean, I have nothing to judge you about any of that do what the fuck you want you're an adult mm-hmm. I'm like congratulations so. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you guys talked, though. And it wasn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't like he didn't want to tell you because he didn't want to share his good news with you. You know, he's just he's cut from a different cloth. And because I'm not around him, it's it's hard for me to examine that cloth. I don't know many people like him. Like, I can't I can't think of anybody that I'm close to that I would compare to Paul. He just I I just said to him, like we talked about yesterday, if it's an important big life decision, like buying a new vehicle or having a kid, we're not going to find out about it. But if one of the dogs bites the other one, it'll be front page gossip on the group text. (laughs) Well, that's because that you relate to that also. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I don't know. So are they happy? Like what news do we have besides she hasn't gone to the doctor and it hasn't been confirmed yet? It's still early. I I didn't even want to dig into that. I just wanted to touch the surface level and get that out of the way rather than, so are you hoping for a boy so that our family name continues on? Does Tracy Mm -hmm. want to hyphenate the name? Does she want to? Yeah, I I didn't go with any of that. That, That's my dad can manage through some of that stuff. Um, I, I can ask my dad about being a, a grandparent and whether he is 
wanted that for a long time or, or what not? Because we've never discussed that. Well, I also, again, I, I, I want to hear more about this. We should talk about this like going forward because I want to hear updates and stuff. And maybe because you don't, as far as I know, you don't travel home that often. I know your dad comes here, but I don't think you travel much at all. Do you? I, I hate that fucking ride. And, and <laughs> I the, love that ride. The wild thing is, I'm good at it. Like, I've gotten that thing down to like seven and a half hours. Really? Mostly because um, it, the, I've had my, my same vehicle kind of vehicle for a while now. Mm-hmm. And it's really good on gas. And I've only had to stop once um, somewhere, I guess, just a little west or east of Pittsburgh. Because... I, I want to beat the ETA. I hate being in the car. I hate the ride. Um, oh, see, I don't mind it if I have good music. And if I'm like, if my, if I'm situated comfortably, you know. Yeah. I Like, there's been times where I've listened, I've stacked up podcasts. And yeah. there was one, one summer I drove home and I always leave early in the morning. And I'm like, all I got to do is make it to lunchtime. And then there's like a Phillies game on that I can listen to. But I'm just, I have no patience for it. And that's why I don't do it. I'm, I, I always, and I've never traveled with anyone else. And I wonder if I would be a better travel person if I did it with someone, at least in the car. Mm-hmm. But the last time I was home, you're right, was uh, before I knew you. I went home in uh, January, and I'm sorry, December of 17. So like three, three years yeah, ago, three I had a... I got I'd gotten let go from Kiss, and then my dad's like, "Oh, you gonna visit?" I was like, "No," because now I'm gonna use the time to dig in mm-hmm. and uh, meet with people who I didn't have a chance to before, and make sure that I can stay here. And then once that was mostly accomplished, I went home for like ten days in um, in in December, and that was the longest I had been home in, in a while. But yeah, you're right. I don't I don't go home uh, a lot. Again, there's just not a lot there. I, I've, yeah, I guess so, especially since that's where you're from, where I'm like, oh my God, there's so much for me to see and do there, but I'm not from there, so I, I understand, but and I've know, had, it, could, it could, now you have, you potentially have a niece or nephew there, and your dad, and your brother, and yeah, Phoenix. I, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to tell my dad to tell Paul, like, it, make that, your goal should be to make Thanksgiving a big 10 or 12 person event, like, <laughs> like when... Natalie used to have Thanksgiving and it was like literally Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving at our house because we were a late dinner family, usually at like the halftime of the Cowboys game. Oh, wow. And um, just lots of people. Then the aunts and the Grammys would hang out and drink coffee with my mom and somebody would leave around 11 o'clock. It was a it was a good time. and We just haven't had that. There's again, there's there's not been many people to to go home to. And what's made it even worse is um I've had so I've been very fortunate to have so many friends in radio work in Philadelphia. I've uh-huh. connected with them, and now now they're all gone too. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, so I, I I relate to that in that I, it's the same for me in Cleveland. I don't there's I don't have a ton of reasons to go back. My family have all besides like my aunt uncle have all migrated their way out of the city, so I don't go home um, that often. Not not really a reason to, but I do. But I found that we started going home more once my brother had kids because we love to take them home and show them where we're from. 
Um, and so the kids have really, and that's also something I was thinking about the other day as Thomas and I were putting up our tree, we're like, oh, we'll put the bulbs up another day. You know, whereas like if we had, I wonder what, how that would change once we have kids and we're like, let's put up a tree and have cookies and decorate. And you know what I mean? Those things that we used to love, like you're saying, let's have a big Thanksgiving like we used to. And the reason that that's coming about in the conversation is because your brother's having a baby, you know? Like, I think that that's, that's interesting how that happens. I think you're, you're the nail on the head. Yeah. It, it changes things when yeah. it's, it's more than just you. Like I had always, one of the reasons that I was excited to, to go home and get home was so that my mom could see Diddy. Um, <laughs> yes. and cause she loved it. Like Diddy was her, her grand dog and she yeah. got to see Diddy, I don't know, three or four times. And she loved, I have to send you a picture I've seen a great picture of Diddy and my mom. I have on my phone. And then, um, so what, five years ago when my mom was in home hospice, um, time has never slowed in my life in such a way when, so my mom's in the living room in the hospice bed and Diddy fucking jumped up on the bed. And my mom was like, like within days of death, I was giving, I was giving her morphine. And like I said, Time had never slowed as Diddy leaped up, and I was like, "This is it. Diddy's gonna kill my mom right here." And <laughs> thankfully, that didn't do it. Um, but I was wanting to take the, the dogs home to see the other dogs, and I wanted, uh, yeah, you know, Andre to be home to see the other dogs that, that when I went home three years ago. So yeah, when it's more than you, there's there's extra enthusiasm to be a part of new things. I think that was what I was, cause we've talked about this a couple podcasts ago when we were talking about if I was looking forward to Thanksgiving and I'm like, you know, holidays as an adult just aren't the same because like Thomas and I both had sick parents and it, it like the thought of that was looming over us. And, you know, it was that like our families are kind of adjusting and I have a brother and like, not just in another state, but across the country. So I don't get to see him. And so it's like, are we even going to be together on the holidays pandemic or not was always the question. And if we weren't, that would be really sad. And as we think about it more, and it's like, we want a family of our own and holidays, while they're not the same now, you know, in a couple years, not a couple, but like more than a couple years, they will be able to go back to those warm happy holidays that we had when we were kids because we're going to want to give the same thing to our kids, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's why I I thought it was important, even though it would, it would breaking some of the rules, even though yeah. we, you know, we know who our, our circle is, even though it's in a podcast more than anything else. <laughs> but I thought it was very important to welcome you to my home because yeah. I know what it's like. You guys both lost parents in the last yeah, year, and I know how hard that can be. I mean... Um, I mean, that could be devastating for anybody, but I'm glad it's, it did work out for you guys. Thanksgiving is always a holiday. Actually, Thanksgiving and Christmas. My dad loves chitlins and he, my mom would only let him make him make them in the morning when she hadn't gone in the kitchen to start cooking. So every year I would wake up. It's a, it's a holiday tradition. My brother and I would wake up to the smell of our entire house smelling like shit. Like, the, have you ever, have you ever had them or smelled them? No, but I told you Diddy shits on the rug all the time. You know, Andre does, but yeah. Imagine though, like multiple shits and then it's put in a steam pot that is just like, like the, the, you wash the shit, you have to wash the chitlins cause you have to make sure there's no feces or like garbage in them. And then you put them in a pot and you boil them and like he, like a large pot and boil them. The entire house smells like poop. Mm. 
it's disgusting. <laughs> it's awful. The only thing that saves us is my mom usually cooks the stuffing right after. So then that like the aroma would go away and then it would be like sage and onions. You that, would smell. that was Passover at my mom's <laughs> mom's house, Grammy Bale, when she would make chopped liver, especially for uh, my dad. And I was like, Ugh. my grandma loved liver too. It was gross. Mm. Gross. Um, couple other things here. Yep. There's, so now I'm really curious. So I told you yesterday that Monolith in Utah vanished, right? But didn't another one pop up somewhere else? Yup. In Rom- <laughs> in Romania. <laughs> so this is, do, do you remember crop circles? Yes, I do remember crop circles. Did, did we ever find out like what, like what caused all that? No, but I feel like, I mean, and I think the same thing. So I don't know if I'm jumping ahead on what I think of this monolith, but like, I feel like it became a thing. And so people started doing it just because it was fun. Well, the crop circles, I don't disagree at all. The crop circles was like, like you, you'd have a lot of people in on that. If that was some kind of joke or, or many people and things, I don't know if people did things to go viral or get attention like they do now, but you're very right to, to your point. So it was 2016, I think. Um, do you remember the clowns everywhere? Yes. So I remember on the old show, somebody that I worked with was like, he's the first person to point it out. He's like, uh, this is not a thing. People are just like, people are seeing things or this is just a joke that people want to get in on. Like, I actually thought that it might be people paid by the Steve by the by the movie company to promote it because that's when it was coming out we had all mm-hmm. these clowns everywhere I do remember that yeah and we never really got an answer they just kind of went away I never thought deeper than the surface level of it so but this thing is 10 feet tall so I don't know but the the Romanian mayor has a fucking money quote My guess is that some alien, cheeky and terrible teenagers left home with their parents' UFO and started planting metal monoliths around the world, first in Utah and then here. I am honored they chose our city. So where where our mind is really going to be blown is if somebody finds a monolith in the middle of the ocean somewhere that cannot be explained. It's like, how is this thing just sitting on top of the water? Like, how is that working? That's when I will be really interested and probably start like doomsday prepping. But um, and until then, I feel like this could very well be like a network of like artists or something that decided to like, let me get something going here and then I'll do something over here. Like, and I mean, like, because it's easy to build a network now with social media. Um, maybe not decades ago, but with social media, you can easily like build a network of artists who are into one thing and then all decide like on Reddit to do something. And I, yeah, I get, I agree. This thing is, it's, it's gotta be heavy though. So this is not like a Banksy, (laughs) not like a Banksy painting or anything. Um, it is, it's fascinating to me that so many people are fascinated by it. Every time I've posted the story somewhere on social, it gets a lot more traffic than other stories. It's and fun. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it takes our mind off COVID, although I can't believe that it hasn't been woven into the COVID narrative at this point. Like, this is how they're going to, this is how they're going to disperse the vaccine. Or, uh, <laughs> I told you it's the, it's aliens in 5G and all the aliens I saw, they entered from the right. So they're definitely the, the Republic. Like, I can't believe it hasn't gotten like just quacky at this point. But you know what? <laughs> it does give me a little bit of hope for, 
I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but there's like one thing that can happen at any point in my life, and in the next moment, I can have the aneurysm. Um, Stop! I hate that. I want, I want, I want first contact, and if this is. <laughs> If this is some alien shit, and if we can see aliens, like, I'm good, let's go. They might annihilate us. They might share a vaccine with us. They might be... Res- like, I can see it now in the um, in the alien boardroom. They're like, this fucking Trump guy, he's calling this thing the China virus. It's the fucking alien virus. So somebody get down there and get rid of that guy. <laughs> somebody has to tell him we did it. He's not giving us credit. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but I also find it funny... I, I get that I'm not a conspiracy person and I tend to poop on the party. I understand that. I find it funny and fun and like people who are coming up with, even Thomas and I did this, like we're coming up with like what we would do if it was really the end of the world, where I feel like we're thinking about what we would do if it's the end of the world in the middle of a pandemic that could very well, that could have very well ravaged its way through millions of more people than it did like you know what i mean so it's like we're in a we're in a really serious situation that nobody ever thought of while joking about another potential serious situation that nobody ever thought of yeah (laughs) i'm like that's funny you you saw independence day right of course it's like jeff goldblum's jewish dad like it's the comic relief loved him yes wait no 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 no. it's it's the dad and then the gay scientist. I forget who the character is. Is it like Harvey Firestein or something? You know what I'm talking about? From Independence Day? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. Um, oh the guy God, who was in... The guy who was in... Yes, the guy who was in Vegas Vacation with Chevy Chase. He was the cousin. Are you talking about that guy, Eddie? I didn't cousin see him in the vacation movies. Oh, yeah, Cousin Eddie. And he... Um, he was the dad that used to be in the military and everybody thought he was like cracked out now and nobody listened to him and they lived on like a, in the trailer. Not Randy Quaid. Oh, Randy Quaid, yes. Yeah, Randy Quaid who was in the news last week. You know that, right? What for? Oh, Randy Quaid had some weird ass Trump conspiracy theory and it was wild. <laughs> no. Well, no. it aligns it aligns with <laughs> anyway. I have to look that actor up. Um <laughs> Randy, you confused Randy Quaid with a guy who I said, I've got to call my mother. <laughs> oh, oh, no. He, he the- was in Mrs. Doubtfire. I, hold on, now I have to look it up. He was one of the ones, he was one of the ones who turned her into Mrs. Doubtfire. He sounds like he chain smoked cigarettes since he was five. I'm looking it up. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was Harvey Firestein. Oh, was that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the actor's name, and he played mm-hmm. Marty Marty Gilbert in the movie. Yes, he I know exactly who you're talking Frank about. Frank Hillard in Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes, I loved them. I should watch that. Speaking of watching, did you finish Hillbilly El- Elegy? No, you did not. Do I need to? No, I mean, if it wasn't something that you were into, I don't think you need to. You can probably I, guess how it ends. I was. Uh, she dies, right? Does, no. Does he get into a good law school? Does he get into Yale? I forget, actually. Right. It um, had a happy ending. There was not any death, and it's a true story, so they actually showed like coverage of the characters and where they are today. Like They still live in Ohio. Um so they're like local to us, but it just showed like how they all had, she's been, she was sober when they shared, she was sober like six or seven years um, when they shared that in the, with the film and the book. 
So I'm not like in a funk or anything like that, but obviously mm-hmm. this weather doesn't doesn't help me. It doesn't put me in a great mood. And that movie was just so heavy and so raw. Like it's just not something I need right now. It was. It was it was I think because I like could relate to it and I'm curious if you now if you figured out who I which character I related to the most. It was the it was his girlfriend. Okay. Um but if you had gotten that far. But um it 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 was. I thought it was really good, and I was. I had to. I had to laugh a little bit when I saw. So there were critics that are basically saying that this doesn't represent Appalachia, doesn't represent the small town Ohio that I know. And I'm like, are you? Are you kidding? Like, are you gonna pretend like your your town in Appalachia is nothing but roses and rainbows? Like, get the hell out of here. Oh That's yeah. Not, you know what I mean? Like just because and and this is a true story. Like this is an accurate reporting of this young man's journey. And I don't understand how you can critique that just because it doesn't align with what you are choosing to look past. Like <laughs> I, I I don't I didn't read any of those reviews. Maybe I, I should, maybe it'll get me more interested in it, but I know that it's pretty darn accurate because of the geography yeah. of it, which is close to West Virginia, which has a met like in maybe Kentucky. The, May, I think West Virginia might have the worst opioid problem in the country. Yes. Um, yes. And so yeah, it's a it's a heavy, it's a big white problem in in small towns. And I think that the I think the majority of the folks that were speaking out against against it were white, and I don't think that they liked their shit oh being put out there. To be honest, or I'm like it, anybody else's shit, it's put out there. But when it's theirs, it's like oh no, like there's good people in our town. Where I'm just kind of like this is this is I don't. I find it hard to relate to the criticism because it, you're criticizing somebody sharing a true event in their life, like a true story. And it's one thing if it was just a fiction and you can say this person chose to only write about this, but it's like he was sharing his life. And if his life was truly that miserable, what gives you the right to criticize that? And so I'm just like that, you know what I mean? And, and I... I don't know. I Thomas, there's so many parallels between um, the main character and Thomas. His, his family had some challenges. And it, I mean, even all the way down to just what we have dealt with over the last month and what that meant for us in our lives. Like we had we you know, our lives got turned upside down in a matter of one night for a month, you know, not nearly at that level, but just related to family stuff and family drama. And it was like. You know what I mean? Our lives got turned upside down and we had to stop everything we were doing and our goals that we had changed in that matter of time, that small time. So, um, it, yeah, I just was like, come on, guys, you're reaching like just just let it let it be <laughs> like this isn't going to be some Oscar winning performance. I don't think it could be, to be honest. It could yeah. be. I mean, it is. I think it's an Oscar hopeful. But oh, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a run. It's a Ron Howard movie. He doesn't. And Amy Adams. So you're talking about uh, award winning people. Yeah. Um, I think the rawest part of it. And, and again, I, I can take anything. I just mm-hmm. wasn't in the mood for it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to see inside the lives of people who were mistreated by their their parents. And <laughs> I mean, that that was the, when she started like whacking on the girl or whatever the daughter, yeah. um, who is yeah. in that Tom Holland movie, The Devil Is in All of Us or something. Oh, was she? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, 
It's, it's great cash. I just I didn't want to see you know family mistreatment. It wasn't even the the, the drug mm-hmm. the drug stuff, um, but it was just it was very raw and it touched the nerve that I I wasn't ready for at the time. It didn't happen as often in the rest of the movie, but it but yeah, it was rough. It was rough, and um, it, it I mean it's not it. It is rough. It's a it's a depiction of of the it's life real. that they lived. But the end was it was a happy ending okay. to me. It was a happy ending. I think you'll like it. I cried, but I cried in the end because of how like proud I was of this family. If that makes any sense. No, I get it. I get it. And to your point, like you should want this story out there so more people can come to the uh, to the epidemic prior to the pandemic. And you said something about like it's white people and they don't want their stuff out there. It reminds me of something I see from a a friend of mine who I worked with for a little bit. We stayed in touch ever since from from, uh, back in Detroit a long time ago. He says whenever whenever there's one of these uh, like he said it for uh, when that white guy ran and saved the puppy from the alligator. Uh Whenever there's like an instance like that, he's like white people ain't afraid of nothing but equality and justice. That's let, pretty. Let that's me pretty uh, funny. let me give you uh, the scene and from Independence Day, and you're gonna you're gonna kick yourself for not knowing it. Officials are warning more ships have just arrived. It's up to a space back up and leave. Get this stuff together and uh, head for Anastasia. Anastasia, let's go. David, why did I just send my mother to Atlanta? <laughs> David. David, talk to me. Hear me tell you that the signal hidden in the satellite feed is slowly recycling down to extinction. Not really. Countdown. Countdown. We count down to what, David? Harvey, Harvey Firestein. <laughs> I gotta call my mother. <laughs> we gotta go to Ann Estes. <laughs> um, some other entertainment stuff. And we, we certainly need someone else on the podcast to speak to this, but... uh. Ellen Page is no more. Have you seen this? No. What happened? Uh, Ellen Page has come out as transgender, and they will now be Elliot Page. Wow. All right. I mean, not... I feel like Ellen Page, Elliot Page was on this trajectory for a little while. Not to say that, like, we're making assumptions on their life or their choices, but um, I absolutely noticed a shift um after a, uh, you know at a certain time so but so then what would this mean for the characters that Elliot now wants to play I don't know and I I hope that I think Hollywood is more progressive and accepting than the yes. regular world so it won't have that big of an, of an effect but she is currently in the Umbrella Academy yeah they are currently in the Umbrella Academy and I think she's always she's always been out they. as uh, as <laughs> as a lesbian and quite frankly though I don't care what gender you are you have always depressed me and I've never been able to watch your movies <laughs> like it, it's like here's Ellen Page great like Ellen Page was a living, live version of Eeyore the donkey, donkey from Winnie the Pooh. Like, oh, great. Here comes Blue Eyes. You could, I could, I mean, it was obvious that Elliot, as Ellen, was struggling with life and with where, you know, where they found happiness. Fair point. I hope this could mean, like, which made it, which you're right, made them, made them a drag and, it just is what it is when you live your life in the public you're gonna you're not immune from that kind of criticism um and and they continued to 
be in the public eye, you know, and, and, and live in that light. So, um, hopefully this will mean good things for them in the future and that they might emerge as, as, as their true self, like living their true identity. And as their true self, I'm actually very impressed with how much I can say they, and I have not slipped up yet. Um, (laughs) great point. Maybe she was so miserable and had such awful body language all the time because she was living with this and couldn't be public about it. I think of, um, Bella, Bella Swan. What the hell is her real name? Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Same thing. I mean, she was going through some shit when she was struggling with her identity. And then after that, she kind of took ownership. And I think she she's much more private life, but a happy life at that. Yeah, I think the average person, the average human being is much better off um, letting out all as many emotions as they feel comfortable with doing. And when you've got to you know, hide these secrets, especially in the world that we're emerging from, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's freeing. It feels it, it helps people feel better and allow them to be who they are. And it's even better when they're accepted for that. Um, help me out with the, the trans thing from your perspective. Okay. So she was born a woman. Yes. But she believes her mind says that she is a male. I believe so, but she still is, it seems like she's still going to identify as they, them, which means that there could, so yes, so if you're, I think if you're a trans, she would be a trans male. I want to say that she would be a trans male and um, identifying as they, them pronouns. Yes, she said my pronouns are, she said my pronouns are he, they. Oh, okay. Oh, no. All right. Then that's, that's, well, it's kind of different. You're absolutely right. There should be another person on the podcast for this to help us. Um, Because, you know, I never want to say the wrong thing. Um, But he, they is, is, if it was just they, them, then there could be another notion of she, her in there when she felt like, when they felt like they wanted to be what somebody would visualize as she, her. But if you're saying he, they then i think that that you're you're taking out the potential traditional female section of that it's very confu- it's very confusing and i i don't think anybody thinks that i say that to be uh condescending in, in any no, way no no in the last paragraph of her instagram post uh, i love that i'm trans and i love that i'm queer so does so who is she sexually attracted to who who are they sexually who is elliot sexually attracted to I think anyone, I think that, I think that they are maybe as identifying as queer, then they potentially find attraction in anyone they feel like they don't fall in line with only being attracted to men or only be attracted to women or only being attracted to trans women. Does that make sense? Like, I think that they can um, then choose who they want to be attracted to based on just what their interests are. I just looked it up. Is that different from being a pansexual? I don't know. So pansexual is an attraction regardless of their sex or gender identity. I think it's this. I don't know. I know. It's, be, it's very confusing. I don't want to answer. I would say it, it would be the same, but it could very well be different. And I just need that education and explanation. We could, we should have that one day. We should have that conversation with someone that can explain it to us from like maybe, um, Lexi would help. 
Yes. Yeah. Like in a way that we can kind of have these authentic conversations from heterosexuals who just who really want to respect and understand. Um, like I've learned that if you do mess up, don't apologize. Like just, you know, you don't ins- like obsessively apologize. Like just say you're sorry, correct yourself and move on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like I am apologizing because I'm so scared that I just ruined my career or like my life and or um, ruined the years of battle that you've had with your identity identity. And then I just chalk it out to fucking it up in one chance. And you know what I mean? And then making it about me, <laughs> but anyway, like I, I, I would love to, yeah, we should have Lexi on. That would be interesting an interesting conversation, but good for, good for Elliot. Good for Elliot. Um, I'm curious what that will mean for the roles that they will play now, because obviously they can ch- that's also the beauty of an actor and in this world they can choose to be whoever they want like they can still play oh god that goes back to the the sia yeah. from last week yep yeah it goes back to the sia stuff and so i'm curious if she if they well, there we go i'm curious if they will only choose to play males like a lot like chadwick boseman would never play a slave um he wouldn't no he refused to play slave roles and i think there was a, a female who refused to play slave roles um as well but you know um they can choose if they will only play male roles or if they will want to open themselves up to female roles um or you know and what that will mean you know and i feel like this was probably a tough decision because they have to make that decision knowing that that could potentially limit the career opportunities that they're going to have in the future (laughs) you know you know it's kind of i was just thinking about how so she came out Ellen Page came out in 2014 uh, because of, I guess, some abuse by Brett Ratner. Oh. Um, I think, I forget how they were connected. I think they were together somehow in the X-Men movies. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, and I think he was someone who was a huge asshole, and he said some awful shit about Olivia Wilde, I believe. And I think that that's when her sexuality became public. I wonder if she'll be treated differently. Sorry, if... If Elliot will be treated differently by Hollywood, and it's very likely that Elliot yeah. will be treated um, with more care and welcoming than someone else who is just getting going, kind of a little yes. bit, a little bit similar to how there's racism within the black community, like you're too dark or you're yeah. not, you're you're too light for such and such. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Elliot is a privileged uh, transgender actor. I would love to see Elliot play roles in this. I could be completely wrong because this character is actually a really androgynous where I think Elliot could want to just play traditional male roles. I would love to see Elliot play characters like um, like the like the Undertaker from John Wick. What is what is that character, that actress's name in the most recent John Wick movie? She was the one that carried the briefcase and showed up and was the Oh, the counsel. lady that we didn't like from Batwoman. Did, oh, I didn't. I don't know if I was in on uh, that conversation. I really like her or them. them. I don't know. I, I know that they identify in that in a, like a more um, diverse, ambiguous way. So I don't know if it's her, her or they, them. What the hell, but, the hell is her name? But you know who I'm talking about. Love, love it. The love short-haired it. girl? I think she was it not completely shaved in John Wick. Uh, Ruby Rose. No, not Ruby Rose. Um, 
the third. But I don't know if Ellen Page has Ruby Rose in her. I would agree. Yeah, Uh, the third John Wick movie. Yes. Do you know what the name of the character was? I don't. She was the one that always wore like the really good coat. Asia Kate Dillon. Yes, there you go. She was on Orange Is the New Black. Oh, what? She and uh, and Dylan is non-binary and uses okay. singular they pronouns. I thought so. There's a uh, on the Star Trek show that I like that's out now. They have uh, a, a. I'm confused by some of it. I can't. I I don't know which character. There's a new couple, um, and one or both are non-binary, and that was kind of groundbreaking. Even though Star Trek is always breaking those grounds mm-hmm. so in fact one of them reminds me of Justin's husband Lucas oh really yes but now Aww. Lucas has facial hair for the first time in his life <laughs> Lucas um, is cute yes well not he, he looks grisly now with these these things sprouting from his face um but so good so good for Ellen Page I'm cute or I'm sorry Elliot Page I'm curious to see how this goes yeah um what else you got planned for the rest of your day besides uh, maybe waiting for work emails? I'm working on a Giving Tuesday ask mm. for a Facebook, and I don't want to be too like, I don't want to be too pushy with it, but I also want it to be like very intentional in what we're doing, <laughs> what we're saying. So um, I've been working on that most of the morning, making sure the wording is right, and we've got today's day one of our um, Warm Lines new RSP. So I did a. Uh- I, I I should check in with Dorothy from Good Grief. Oh. Um, so the breakfast was, I, I don't know how things, <laughs> giving was down this year, but did you give? No, so, you didn't. Listen, I'm gonna, and I'm not ashamed to say, this I'm going to say PayPal it on the podcast. Thing. I'm going to say, it, it is the PayPal thing. I was attempting at that time. I'm also like broke. However, this next check that I'm receiving in a couple of days is the first one that I can actually use. So I already have, I have to get a coat, but beyond that, like my bills are covered. And so I can get like some holiday gifts. I can also make a donation with this one. Don't worry but, about uh, it. B- up to that, I was like, <laughs> I was like straight broke. I was also going to text you about something this morning um, that I won't say on the podcast, but I was like, honestly, I'm not doing it. And I'm curious if you'll pick up on what I'm talking about. There was something I saw and I'm like, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. Trying to get pregnant? No, I, I do still want to get, I do still want a baby. I'm not going to get pregnant. I'm not trying, but I do still want a kid. I can't help it. I'm trying to think of what you won't do. Is some buying something? Nope. Yeah, I'll share it with you um, okay. after we're on the pod. But it, I thought it was something that you and I were going to see at the same time and then talk about it. Because um, we've done that a little bit before where I'm like, mm, not sure if I'm okay with this. Watch Attack of the, watch Clone Wars? No, mm-mm, you won't guess it, and we won't want to talk about it on the podcast anyway. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, uh, have a good... Oh, there's no Janet today. Uh, she's going to hop on tomorrow. She had some wires crossed, so the Sorceress of the Beyond will be here tomorrow. And the next time we talk, remind me to talk about some of the anti-inflammatory meals I've come up with already. There's so many good ones, and I already have my grocery list together. Good. Now you got to stick with it. Yes, I just have to make it and like it. And so I told my mom, I said, I may have to do a lot of prepping so that all I do is toss stuff in a pan or in an air fryer instead of having to like cut all the vegetables and then season them and then, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to, I I always like to, you know, I like to help people if I can. But with that, I can't, like, I don't understand 
HelloFresh and all the food delivery things. I don't because either. I, one, it's fucking expensive. And two, I love cooking. In fact, one of the top reasons I would like to be in a relationship or I just want somebody <laughs> who I can make food for because I love cooking. I love trying new meals, but I hate leftovers. And it's kind of hard to buy ingredients for, you know, a small one person meal. So see, I, that's what I love that about you. And I'm not like hating on Thomas at all. He is, I love, there's so many qualities I love about him, but he doesn't really know how to cook. And so like what he can cook is, is basically what I've taught him, which is just like how to bake his chicken for his meals and mm-hmm. for his diets and stuff. And I told him, you know, when we have this conversation, I said, Thomas, I, you know, with lupus and getting off of my meds, I have to make sure that what I'm eating is appropriate or like it could cause me serious harm. I said, I need your help because like, I'm so drained from the end of my workday and it could be the difference between me working a traditional nine to five in the schedule that you work, um, where like when I come home for dinner time, I'm so tired, so tired that for a long time, I didn't even think I could have kids because I said, I don't know where I'm going to find the energy just to, you know, with lupus, you're just drained, you're tired all the time and still having to go about your normal day and function as a normal human being. And so things like cooking a meal is really difficult for me during the week. And so I have to make it easy for myself. Like I have to, like when I cooked for Thanksgiving and I was making multiple big dishes, I had to prep a day in advance so that I could make sure I had everything ready so that I wasn't at the end of the day, like could hardly feel my legs or my feet, which it was still the case. It just wasn't as bad as I feel like it would have been had I not prepped. So I told Thomas, I said, I need you to step in and prepare and like learn to make some of the meals so that I'm not the one responsible for our meals every night. And also we need to prepare them maybe on Sundays so that as in not like cook them on Sundays, but just like cut up the tomatoes that I'm going to use on Tuesday or you know what I mean? Cut up the olives that I'll use on Thursday, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's where the, the, the food delivery places, uh, the meal delivery places come in handy. You just got to like heat some of these things up or pop some things into a pan. But I, I just know it's really expensive. And it's, again, it's hard for me because I, I like, granted, I'm not as busy as most people, but, uh, Cooking is uh, a fun activity for me. Like some of my favorite dates with people, um, I when I would meet somebody, I'd be like, "Hey, can I uh, can I just make you dinner?" Oh, I that's kn- sweet. It's like I know I know we just met, but um, <laughs> and you might think that I'm kind of creepy. No, but, I think uh, that's I love that. I think that's really sweet. That's not something that people like. You know what I mean? Because that's you putting in your time and your effort, and that's something that you really have as a positive attribute to want to share. You know? Yeah, I guess so. I love it. You can, I'll pay you. You can make my meals. Okay, but I'm not going to deliver them. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Have that Diddy, lady, have that lady yesterday who brought your uh, pita pit. Have her, have her deliver it. Oh, pita pit. That sounds delicious. Awesome. Well, have a good rest of your Tuesday. I'll talk to you later on. Bye. Bye.